0: Welcome to another episode of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, where we have real, honest, smart, and sometimes even hilarious conversations about co-parenting, separation, and divorce, and all that goes along with that. I'm Kate Anthony, your Divorce Survival Guide, Certified Life and Relationship Coach, and happily divorced mom who helps women decide if they should stay in or leave their marriages and then guides them through the process one step at a time. Hey everybody, I am super excited about today's episode and I'm just going to go straight into it because it's such a rich conversation. My guest this week is my friend and colleague Quentin Hafner. Quentin is a marriage and family therapist, but as you'll soon find out, he is not your ordinary therapist. I first reached out to Quentin because we do similar work in the world, but the more we've gotten to know each other, the more obvious it is how aligned we really are on some pretty deep levels when it comes to creating and maintaining healthy relationships. And Quentin's insights into the big question, should I stay or should I go, are invaluable. Don't forget to check the show notes for links to find Quentin's website and his blog and to follow him on social media. And without further ado, here is my conversation with Quentin Hafner. Hey, Quentin. Hey, Kate. Thanks for coming on and uh, talking about this really important topic that we both like to jam on, like and can probably do incessantly. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm really um, looking forward to this conversation because um, when we've talked about it recently, I really like hearing your thoughts on it. So um, I think yeah. it'll be fun.
0: Yeah, same. So, so we are talking about should I stay or should I go, mm-hmm. um, which is a big topic of conversation. And I think that you and I have. I love how we each have three things that we really d- dive into on this topic. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna try and cover all six, um, and they'll probably blend together. So
1: yeah, awesome. All right.
0: Yeah. Um, so let's talk about what you. I, I love the, that the way that you break this down is that there are three big reasons that you think that marriages often fail,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, and then you. Attack them from a from a particular point of view, um, and you have an emotional emotional versus objective uh, viewpoint. Can you sort of talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah. So I, um, in my experience, having you know worked with people in the kind of like the should I stay or should I go scenario, um, where maybe their marriage is just in a really tough place, and um, they're asking themselves like this question. Generally people fall into um, like three pretty distinct kind of categories when they talk about maybe um, potentially getting a divorce. So what I hear a lot like in my practice is um, if people like, so people will often say to me, you know, we just don't feel compatible
2: Mm. anymore. Mm -hmm.
1: So then therefore um, divorce uh, makes sense so I hear that one a lot. Yeah. Um,
0: what do they mean by that? When they say, they don't feel compatible. What does, what does that mean to them? I mean, I'm sure it means different things to different people, but if it's the same language, I'm curious as to what you're finding.
1: Yeah. So, um, when people say that they're not compatible, um, I think what they're really trying to say is that they're really just tired of fighting <laughs> <I
2: mean,
1: when, laughs> it, it kind of like when yeah. it really kind of comes down to it, you know, it's yeah. kind of like their way of, um, it kind of just making their way of their way, their best way of just making sense of all the conflict that they're experiencing in the relationship. So when people are fighting a lot over a, you know, a long period of time, it's, it's kind of easy just to ask yourself, like, I don't know, maybe we're just not compatible anymore. Maybe, maybe our compatibility differences is, is the way that we can just be, best make sense
2: mm-hmm.
1: of um, the conflict that we've been feeling. So, yeah. you know, I think, um, and I think you touch on something about communication in one of your three yeah.
0: things. Yeah, it's funny because I was just thinking, I was like, oh, this sounds essentially like it's the same, uh, sort of the same sphere yeah. uh, as my communication stuff.
1: Yeah. So, um, so I get that not compatible. A lot lot of people say we're not compatible anymore. Mm -hmm. And and that's a really good one because I think, um, I mean, if you tell some, if you, if you're trying to explain the reason you're getting a divorce, if you say that, Hey, we're just not compatible anymore. I think like generally by and large, most people will say, Oh yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So it's a, it's, it's a pretty reasonable one. Yep. And then the, uh, the second one I hear a lot is that we're just not happy anymore. Mm -hmm. So it's time to, it's kind of like time to move on um, and I think that that one's kind of like self-explanatory I think people um, you know for different reasons they just don't feel good about the relationship anymore the relationship probably hasn't felt good for a really long time and um, they, they they genuinely have been really unhappy and so um, that's I mean if you're if you haven't been happy for several years and you attribute a lot of your unhappiness to your marriage. I think, um, people can get behind that idea for a divorce Uh as well.
2: Uh Right.
1: And then, um, the last one that I talk about and that I hear a lot is that we're just not in love anymore.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Mm. Um, you know, so, you know, people say, um, you know, we haven't um, felt feelings of love in a really long time, um, and that's not how marriage is supposed to is supposed to feel. So, if it feels like we're not in love, then something must be um, something must be really wrong, and we should we maybe ending the marriage makes sense, right? So, not compatible, not happy, and not in love is what mm-hmm. I hear a
0: lot, right? Yeah. And, and so, and, and so when you ta- when you break these things down for people, um, you talk about, like, like I said before, the emotional versus the objective, right? The emotional is I don't, we don't feel compatible. We don't feel in love. We don't feel happy. Um, right. And then you break down, uh, these, these feelings into something a little bit more objective, um, to help people get through them. Because of course you can't, you can't argue, you can't, you can't work through, I'm not happy or, mm-hmm. or we're not in love. It's sort of, it's sort of a, it's sort of a conversation stopper, right? It, it doesn't leave room for, um, for broadening and, and expanding. Um, and so you take these object, more objective viewpoints, um, around each one of these to help people really, really get underneath what that means. Right.
1: Exactly. You know, because I think when people say, for example, if someone says, you know, we're not happy anymore and it's time to move on. Mm -hmm. um, I think that, well, I mean, there's so many, there's so many problems with that. Um, (laughs) uh, If I think, okay, so you can kind of look at it two ways. Um, If you do decide to end the marriage, I think you have to create a better narrative for yourself than I wasn't happy. Yeah. Because I think if you do get a divorce and you want to sleep well at night feeling good about the decision you made, I don't think that just saying that you weren't happy is going to give people enough of a like satisfactory explanation for uh-huh. making such a big decision. Right. So right. when people say they're not happy, of course, I totally empathize with it. And I say, gosh, you know, that really sucks. Um, but that's such a vague kind of statement. And it's a little too, I think there's just too much ambiguity in it. So I think helping people discover like really what it is that is going on in the relationship. So, so really they can come up with a really good understanding and explanation themselves. So they can, when they have to talk to people about it, when they have to talk to friends about it or family, or if they have to talk to their kids about it, they can really craft a very good narrative in their own mind that just gives them like a certain peace of mind. So that's why I like, I like to help people with that. So that's why I don't like the in love thing. And then on the flip side of that, um, I work with a lot of couples who are on the edge of divorce and um, you know, when they say they're not happy um, and when, and when we kind of like dig into that a little bit more, we realize that the things that they're not happy about are actually fixable Mm -hmm. and it's like okay well now we have a better understanding of what this idea of unhappiness means and in this context it means changing this thing or that thing and this thing and then you know you can avoid a divorce so on both sides i think it's really important for for either camp whether they decided to stay married or get a divorce to get a divorce to have like just a better understanding of what's going on and so so um So on the happiness one, um, and these are, these are all like a little bit interchangeable. So they're not like concrete, Um, but like on the happiness one, um, I talk to people about, instead of saying, okay, I'm unhappy. um, I talk about these things called like the six Uh non-negotiables. So um, the six non-negotiables are loyalty, affection, support, freedom, respect and companionship uh-huh and then I, I try to help people find a little bit more clarity on like which of these six things is really missing or which thing is really lacking and then um because when people say they're not happy it's like 99 times out of 100 it has to do with one of these six things mm-hmm. and, and it's not all of these six th- it's very rare that it's all of these six things right but it's w- at least a few of these six things that are missing or not working well
0: yes yes And then
1: when people understand that it becomes more clear like okay well you know are these are these solvable or are these things that are um that's why i call them non-negotiables because these yeah. six they really have to be present in a relationship for it to be successful so tell me say what
0: those six things are again i just want to make sure that everyone heard mm-hmm.
1: them so i um loyalty
0: mm-hmm. affection yeah support yeah. freedom mm-hmm. respect mm-hmm.
1: and companionship
0: yeah yeah i can see i can see where most of my clients have the something at least one or if not a large portion of those things missing in their marriages for sure right and that's a large portion yeah
2: i'm sorry go ahead no No, that leads to a
0: lack of happiness obviously right Right. um right. and then you know the thing that I one of the things that I talk um, about a lot is of mm-hmm. being one of the things that that leads a lot of a lot of the women that I work with to ending their marriages is is um, or, or contributes I think to divorce a lot um, and that I work with people on is self-worth and mm-hmm. it, this idea that our spouses are supposed to make us happy um, and You know, if we're not, we have to be responsible for our own happiness. And how are we seeking that outside um, of our spouses? Um, You know, are we coming to the table as a full, independent, um, you know, complete, happy person? Or are we coming as a little bit of an empty vessel, assuming and hoping that someone else will fill us? yeah which is a yeah. recipe for codependency and and disaster really <laughs> mm-hmm. right
1: yeah uh, yeah it's kind of like even in these it's it, that's a really great way to say it because even in the six non-negotiables the way i kind of think about it is that your partner has to give let me say it kind of like slightly different. These things have to be present in the relationship, but it's not the responsibility of your partner to be the sole provider of them.
0: Right. Great. Yes. I love that. Yes.
1: So it's like, if, if, if there's not loyalty between, between you and your partner, well, that's a, that's a huge problem, but it's not your partner's responsibility to be the only loyal person in your life.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Or you,
0: about support uh-huh. or
1: anything or affection, you know
2: so
0: yes, right, yeah, and and that's and that's it, right We have to be seeking these things in many areas of our lives, and that goes into another one of the things that I always talk about, which is this idea that we have unreasonable expectations of our spouses to be all of these things yeah that 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 you know sometimes you're gonna get a, you're gonna get a whole bunch of stuff from your husband um, or your spouse, but you may not get the emotional um, connection that you get but you might get that from your girlfriends and that might be okay. You may not get the sense of adventure and someone wanting to go out for, you know, the kinds of adventures that you seek, but you have a group of friends that'll do that. Like that's okay yeah. that doesn't make you incompatible. Because yeah. right, we sort of we sort of try and look for partners that that like to do all the same stuff that we do or or express love in the same way that we do or right all yeah. of those things and it and it just it sets the entire relationship on a really sort of tenuous, uh, foundation.
1: No, I really love, I love hearing you, hearing you say that. Cause that's something I see. Um, I just see that so much. And yeah. I, I have kind of like an interesting theory about that. And, um, it's not a very popular theory being a therapist because okay. I blame the therapy community, um, the therapist community uh-huh. for a lot of that thinking
0: really interesting say more about that that's
1: yeah know. so like I think that and, and of course this is like a huge generalization and there's always exceptions and uh-huh. um, I think by and large um, the therapist community has done a disservice to marriage is because they have in some ways created part of this like unrealistic expectations about what marriage is supposed to be like. Mm. And I, you know, it's like the, the the typical example is, um, you know, someone goes into therapy and they say, Oh gosh, you know, like, you know, my wife, you know, isn't doing this or isn't doing that. And the therapist goes, gosh, you know, that's just really awful. And, you know, you deserve to be happy and, Mm. you know, and, and 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 kind of creates this like atmosphere because one of one of my one of my frustrations about f- therapists in general is that we are great at being empathic, but we are lousy at telling the truth.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it's almost it's that's it's sort of taboo for coach for for therapists right? for coaches. That's like our job, right?
1: Yeah, but it's for a therapist. It's,
0: it's like you're not uh-huh. supposed to do that.
1: And I think that, I think you are supposed to do that. I think it's just a lot of bad training and, Mm -hmm. you know, and so, but I think that you're exactly right. You know, that happens, you know, and it's like, Oh, you know, our job is just to be supportive and our job is just to empathize. And I've, I've, I've seen this happen like in real life with like colleagues or if I get referred clients and it's like some therapists will just empathize with somebody into their demise oh, into yeah. making really bad decisions into mm-hmm. you know walking off cliffs and because they're afraid of being confrontational and afraid of afraid of you know telling the truth and it's mm-hmm. like so I just I feel like that you know the part of the part of the problem with the with the um, unrealistic expectations comes from therapist not really setting that stage correctly or not, you know, setting it accurately. It's like, Oh gosh, you know, you're really upset that your wife won't have sex with you, you know, four days a week, you know, like, do you really think that that's a good expectation? You know, like where did you get that expectation? You know, Mm -hmm. instead of, I think what they get is like, Oh, that's really sad and you deserve to be happy and you deserve to find the sexual fulfillment that you're looking for. And then people are like, Oh yeah, you know, this is what the professional said. Yeah. And it's like, Yeah, that's, it's wrong though, you know?
2: Right, (laughs) totally. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, Yeah, exactly. And then, and then, you know, and I do think so much of it, and and I, you know, and I suffer from this in my work too, um, is that in therapy and in one-on-one coaching, you're only getting one side of the story Mm -hmm. and you're not able to facilitate The conversation, and then hear what the other person's needs are around that too. Like, oh, so you're, you know, your 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 husband is telling saying that he wants to have sex four days a week. How does that? How do you feel about that? What do you you want? Right? Like you're just hearing one side. Um, And I find that to be a limitation. I'll you know be perfectly transparent about that. Sometimes it's limitation in my work too because I'm not getting. Um, and that's, we've talked about wanting to, you know, move my, me wanting to move my business more in that direction as well, because, you know, I do think that there's so much more that, that we can all do when we have both people in the room. Right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're, you're so, you're so right. You know, and I, 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 I took a lot of backlash for this because I posted something on my website a while back and I said, if you're having relationship problems and you want to save your relationship, do not go to individual therapy. Mm.
2: Our
0: couples therapists used to say that to us. They said they don't, they didn't want their, their, um, their clients in individual therapy. They actually said, statistics prove, and we feel that individual therapy will destroy your marriage.
1: Yeah. And I, I, yeah, and no, I mean, kudos to your therapist that was willing to say that because most therapists are not willing to say that. Yeah. And yeah. I tell all my clients that too, you know, because they'll they, sometimes they might ask me like, oh, you know, like maybe I should be an in," And I say, no, we can, yeah. we can work on everything that's important that you need to work on in the context of your relationship, like together right here. Yeah. And because I've seen that, I've seen that movie so many times where, you know, somebody is um, struggling in the relationship and then they go to therapy. And the next thing, you know, it's like, that's the end. Yeah, because they get that therapist that I think is unwilling to be confrontational, unwilling to say the hard things and really just kind of holds their hand and kind of walks them in whatever direction they want to go. You know, cause that's one of the ideas about therapy, you know, like especially client centered therapy is like, we don't take, like we follow the client's lead. Right. You know, and sometimes your client, I mean, this is like totally tangential. So just cut me off if I'm like, yeah, go, go
0: ahead, go ahead. Like
1: Sometimes your clients don't even know where they're going. You know, you're, right. you you're not supposed to follow their lead. That's crazy. You know? Right. So, yeah. um, yeah, I say that a lot. And then like from like all my colleagues that are therapists, you know, like everybody's freaking out that I said that, how could you say that? And don't you know, therapy is so important for people going through a hard time and it's not just about couples work. And I'm just like, yeah, you know, okay. I guess we all have different opinions, you know? (laughs) Sure.
0: sure. And, you know, here, you know, you know, the flip side of this is that, you know, well, or not the flip side, my, my ex-husband and I were in, (laughs) we were in individual couples therapy. We were in group couples therapy. We each had individual therapists and we were both in 12 step programs. So Mm -hmm. we were both doing a lot of work Mm -hmm. and, you know, at the end of the day, it just, it didn't work. And I, and I, and I do, I actually don't think it was the individual therapy that yeah. caused our yeah. marriage to decline uh-huh. um, yeah. at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um actually it was the individual therapy that gave me the strength to finally leave. Yeah. Um, and that needed to happen.
2: uh uh-huh. um, yeah.
0: but um but yes, and and so you know, I can I can I can hold that all is true, right? I you know, I don't know mm-hmm. that it's black or white. Um yeah. And I can I can sort of hold the space for all things being true. But if you but but here's the thing. If you wanna do the work to save your marriage, uh-huh. both people are gonna have to be in the room. I believe. Is that a fair? I mean that's a little black or white, but
2: You know,
1: I have mixed feelings about that. I okay. I I think ideally both people are in the room. Yeah. But i have also seen it where one person can change a relationship. Mm. So I know that like in a perfect world, everybody shows up, yeah. but I think more often one person doesn't want to show up. And I don't think necessarily yes. that's the kiss of death for a relationship. Yeah. It's hmm. a, it's a lot harder. It takes a lot more work and it takes a lot more patience and um, kind of Checking your own ego, but if your if your primary motivation is to change the tide in your relationship, you can do that with one person.
0: Mm.
1: Not all the time, but yeah, you can I have like I have a, a lot of,
0: of thoughts. I have a lot of thoughts about that because, but you know, that are that are probably mostly informed by my own experience. <laughs> So we don't need to talk. Yeah,
1: it's not, it's not all the time because sometimes, sometimes no matter what you do, someone is not willing or not able,
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but
1: sometimes people are pliable with just one person.
0: And, you know, the thing I think that women find overwhelmingly, the women that I work with find overwhelmingly is that they feel like they're doing all the work.
2: Mm -hmm, They feel like mm -hmm. they're the
0: ones going to therapy. They're the ones, you know, working with life coaches. They're the ones listening to podcasts. They're reading all the books. And like- you know, they're just, they're tired. They're just mm-hmm. tired of doing all the work. Um, so,
1: yeah. Well, you know, that, um, that, you know, I was doing a phone call with a client this morning and um, this guy that I'm working with and I asked him, I said, um, cause he's having some problems with his wife or whatever. And um, so I said, you know, how would you rate your wife's level of like happiness, you know, or satisfaction on a scale of like one to 10, you know, one is that she's filing for divorce and then 10, you know, she's ecstatic. And he's like, I would probably put her at like a three and a half. And I was like, dude, I'm like, that's pretty low. Like you guys are in a really bad place. He's like, yeah, we're in a really bad place. And I was like, well, and I said something like, "Um, well, um, yeah, you know, like, you know, d- possibly d- divorce is around the corner, you know, who knows, right? Yeah. And he was like, I was so irritated with him. I almost wanted to hang up on the phone call, but I was, he was like, no, he's like, yeah, we're both really committed and we wouldn't get a divorce. <laughs> I was like, you really, did you really just say that? I'm like, you really just said that. I'm like, on one hand, you're telling me that your relationship's a three and a half. But on the other hand, you feel so confident that you guys won't get a divorce. I'm like,
2: right?
1: that's, and sadly, I'm kind of piggybacking off of what you said and the wives yeah. doing all the work. Sadly, yeah. so many guys have that thought process.
0: Right. And then this is why 69% of marriages are ended by women. Yeah. Because we're telling them, <laughs> you know, and I think that there's this, I, you know i don't i don't really know what the, what this what th- to call this right but i feel like there's a thing where for men when they get married they're in and they're kind of done they're married and for women we get married and then we're we there's like a process that's still happening and we're still we're still working towards this you know mm-hmm. like it's not we're not we're not settled
2: mm-hmm. once we're married
0: we still mm-hmm. require uh, a lot more than i think and I don't know what this, I don't know what the experience is like for men, but I just think that, you know, 69% of women end marriages mm-hmm. or 69% of marriages are ended by women.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: and I think it's because of this idea that he's like, well, she's unhappy, but like, we're not getting a divorce <laughs> and yeah. we're like, oh really? <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's, it's such a sad, it's such a sad thing because, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't have to be that way, you know. And yeah. I think, you know, oh gosh, that's like a whole another topic. Do you really want to get? You want to go down that road? <laughs>
0: <laughs> sure. I mean, you know, uh, we'll come back around to the more. Should I stay or should I go? But I mean, do you have something specific you want to say about that?
1: Well, I think what just came to my mind was, um, I think that. There's a couple things. I think, I think by and large, most, most guys, the overwhelming majority of guys, they um, genuinely, like, in the bottom of their heart, really want to be good husbands.
2: Yeah. Yeah, like, I bet. They, I bet they, they, they have do. a
1: sincere desire to feel proud about that role and for their wives to feel content in what they are kind of offering them. Hmm. hmm but this is what happens for so many guys so many guys don't possess the skill set in 2018 to to really to to be the kind of partner that their wife is needing mm-hmm. and instead of saying oh gosh you know I could really use help in figuring this out the, the shame that they feel from not possessing the skill set and then from continually being told that they're deficient causes them to shut down.
2: Yeah.
1: And it's in that kind of like shutting down process that becomes the poison pill for the relationship because in that shutting down, that's when they refuse to go to get therapy. And frankly, you know, I can't say I totally blame them because it goes back to the therapy. I think ther- the therapy community has done a huge disservice to men. Mm -hmm. because instead of inviting men into therapy in a more collaborative way, I think we have threatened men
2: Mm. and
1: said, you know, you better get to therapy and clean, you know, get your act together. And most guys are like, fuck that. Right. And that's kind of a natural human response to kind of being threatened. Yeah. You know? And so, you know, instead of, um, You know, and I think there's a whole nother like segue about why that happens because it's like another topic. But I think just because, so I I don't think men have really been fairly encouraged to go to therapy. I think therapy for men has become this really scary endeavor where they know like they're going to go in and just kind of get, they're going to get more shame. They're going to get attacked. They're going to be told how bad of a job they're doing and most people don't want to pay money or even if it was free most people don't want to participate in that
0: right how how should we be talking to men about getting into therapy and doing doing any kind of personal development work how because we're clearly not
1: well we're we are we're just doing it wrong right well
0: well, exactly exactly yeah
1: we tell men that they are fucking losers you know Yeah. yeah and and so the way, the way that I like to say it that I think has been somewhat successful is um, kind of framing it more in the context of like, you're a great guy, you have a lot of great assets, you're a really great husband, but there are some things that need to get kind of like updated in 2018. And your dad probably didn't teach you those skill sets. So it's just a matter of learning some new skills. Yeah. And when you frame it that way, it becomes less personal. Like you're a bad guy or you're not good enough or you're deficient or you can't ever do anything right.
2: Mm-hmm. It
0: becomes, mm-hmm.
1: And guys, guys in their kind of cerebral way are like, oh, okay. So it's just about like learning some things. Like I can do that.
0: Right. Totally. Totally. It's sort of it. it, it, A more analytical, um, Mm -hmm. driven Mm -hmm. approach rather than yes, absolutely, absolutely. But
1: most people, sadly, even most therapists don't say it that way. You know, even in the language of you know, you look on you know website copy for people that are trying to you know draw that person. It's like it's very shame based language. Yeah. You know, without saying it, the the general message is something's wrong with you. And if you don't figure it out, your life's going to fall apart.
2: Mm. And
1: that generally doesn't incite people to yeah. volunteer to sign up for something. Sure. So I think, you know, saying it in the other way, you know, like there's so many great things about you, you know, and I, and I, and I don't say that in a patronizing way. I really believe that. I think for most yeah. husbands, there are so many great things about them. And, you know, just like everything else in life, it's gotten a little bit more complex technology gets a little bit more complex you know we get you know we have to update our phones and our computers and we update our relationship skills too and that's all it is it's just about updating our skill set so we can um be um just we can we can function at a higher level in the relationship
0: yeah uh, yeah absolutely and i and I love I love what you the way you started that which is that like you you they want you want to be a good husband mm-hmm. you actually want that mm-hmm. you don't want to be you know chastised and told that you you know I mean there's a there's so much there's so many ways in which we denigrate men in our society and there's a lot of you know toxic masculinity and a lot of things to um there are a lot of issues with masculinity in our culture and I think that there is so much of um uh, there's a lot of chicken and egging happening here because mm-hmm. you know it's you know it's how are we treating how are we treat- how are we inviting men to show up if we're not inviting them to show up with their whole hearts with their with all of that um then then why the hell should they right
2: yeah, and yeah.
0: I mean, we, right. could go, we could go down a massive rabbit hole with that.
1: <laughs> right, right. And then everybody's confused why they don't want to go to therapy, you know? Right,
0: right. Exactly, exactly. You know,
1: I, you know it's like mo- all the guys that I work with, you know, they love coming to see me because I'm really, I'm kind to them, you know? Like, right. I'm not an asshole, you know? And,
0: You're not. And, and I think a lot of women drag their husbands to therapy to try and fix them because they want the therapist to validate them and be like, he's wrong, Right. And a lot of therapists will do
1: that. Unfortunately, that's a very sad testament to the therapy community. Yeah. And I think, you know, the ratio for women to men therapists in California is four to one, women to men. And yeah. so be- because of that, I think what you just said happens all too often.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. Where the female therapist has kind of a, a, a conscious or of an unconscious kind of alignment with the experience of the female client
2: yeah,
1: and says, Oh my God, this kind of reminds me of my past relationship or my current relationship. And then it becomes kind of a, you know, a let's figure out a way to get this man to be more like you.
0: Right. And that's and guys,
2: the- I'm not signing up for that.
0: No, no. And nor should they. Although, you know, and I, you know, and also from the female perspective, from the female coach perspective, from the, you know, the, the the woman who works with women and hears all the stories of, you know, friends and clients and everything. It's, you know, I also see the other side of it where women are exhausted and women are tired of asking for the same levels of support over and over and over and over, and over again. And it, so it, you know, it, it starts to feed on itself, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think this is this is this is really. I mean, the, this is a, this is an important topic for. Um, I mean, I think it's important for any any of your female listeners that are wanting to get their husbands to therapy. You know, maybe it's just kind of a reminder that, of course, you know, you are you're probably very frustrated and exhausted and just even burnt out yeah. in the whole process. But there's a better way to get them there. And if it's not happening in the way that you're doing it, maybe they're just kind of exploring more options, you know, and it's kind of like, guys, they're kind of, I'm not saying all of them, but you can kind of out, you can outsmart them, you know, that we're not that sophisticated, you know, (laughs) like, you know, you can use emotional intelligence to get your, to get what you're wanting. Mm
2: -hmm. And um,
1: one, just the idea of kind of trying to eliminate some of that shame conversation is going to be very helpful.
0: Yes 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 oh my god we have gone so sideways but i yes i, is, I know sorry
2: yeah no
0: no please don't be uh, like uh, willingly so but this is but it, this is actually part of the should i stay or should i go conversation because
2: yeah.
0: you know um you know, we've talked about this too this you know because they're because their guys were just like not going to go to therapy right, right. and and uh-huh. you know and there are women who have been i always say to my i always say to my clients and when I talk about, like, let's talk about the shared responsibilities thing, because that's mm-hmm. huge for women,
2: mm-hmm. huge, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. feeling
0: like they bear the brunt of everything in the household. These are especially working women Yeah, um, that they're like, why is it my, when I work as much as you do and, you know, even often breadwinners, right. I make more money. Yeah. I work more hours and I'm still responsible for the dishes, the laundry the putting the kids to bed, bathing them while you sit on the couch and watch TV. Like wh- yeah. what is that? Right. And, and you know, I always say you don't get to be resentful for something that you have not directly asked for.
2: Mm-hmm. If you mm-hmm. have
0: not had the direct conversation, there's, there's the whole emotional labor conversation around, you know, you should have asked. Why don't you ask me? Like and he should have known and all of that. And I, you know, I take a, I take a split stance on that. And you know, one of the things that I say is that if you have not directly out, my friends hate me because I'm constantly, every time they complain about their husband's not doing anything, I go, did you ask him to, did you directly have the conversation and not, you don't help. I need more help. The conversation has to be on Tuesdays. I, can you please unpack the lunch boxes? Like it has to be really specific. Um, and you know, if you've had that conversation over and over again, and your spouse still isn't showing up, then there's another conversation to be had.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah. I mean, I think break <laughs>
0: that down for us, Quentin. <laughs> no.
1: No. I, I don't. I, I. just have so many thoughts, you know. And I. Yeah. You know, because I think it's it's probably more complex than that. Mhm. First of all, I love what you're saying about asking directly, you know. Yeah. Of course, yes, for sure, cuz I think we all that's kind of a human issue, you know. We all struggle for that with that. We all we 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 have a tendency to kind of think, well, don't you just kind of know, you know?
0: Right. Right. And we all have what we don't understand and this is an emotional intelligence piece, right? That we don't under what we don't recognize is that we all have our own unique experience of the world based on how we were raised, where we came from, our own past experiences. So the idea that I would intuit something that you um, intuit naturally is just completely erroneous.
1: Right. It does. Yeah. It's a real setup for failure.
0: Totally. Totally.
1: Um, when I when when you when you talk about the uh, the, the 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 wife being the breadwinner and um, the husband sits on the couch all day. Mm-hmm. Or, you know that kind of picture in your mind. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I just thought well, if that's the marriage you're in, it's like there's huge problems. Oh, right? uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like so like if it's really that bad, yeah. it's 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 really bad. You know? Yeah. And and so
0: and I and you know, I the, that that's a common um story with my clients, you know. So
1: Exactly. It's a common yeah. story. However, I would say that if you're talking to both people, it's going to get a lot more complex.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
2: so,
1: I mean, that's what I'm saying. If that's, if that is accurately and objectively true, huge red problems, you should probably just run for the hills because you're married to a total Debbie. Right. Okay. However, I would say nine times out of 10, that story becomes a lot more complex when you talk to both people. Sure. And you know, this is not a gender issue because it could happen on either side, you know, it's like, guys tell me, you know, oh, my wife's this and it's like, well, okay. Then when I talk to her, it's like the, 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 the picture becomes more clear about like, oh, well there's this happening and that happening. And so it kind of just goes back to the idea of really, you know, it's hard to make a really good assessment without talking to both people. Because like in that typical example of like shared responsibilities, you know, it could be like, well, you know, I feel like I'm doing a lot. And you talk to the other person and they feel like, well, I feel like I'm doing a lot and you don't see what I'm doing over here. And then mm-hmm, what you mm-hmm. find out is that there's really just two genuinely good people that yeah. feel like they're not being appreciated or they yeah. feel like they're getting taken advantage of. And it usually happens on both sides. You yes. know, it's like when you talk to both people, everybody kind of starts, it's like the, the common denominator is that, wow, you guys are both feeling this way. Yeah, And then it kind of like starts to change that original narrative or that original picture of like, you know, there, there's this, there's this like thing happening that's really one-sided. So it just, in my experience, it's not like that when you really dig into the meat and potatoes, I know it could feel like that for somebody, but it's like everybody has a lot of feelings about it. And so it just, it's just more emphasis to try to like, if you can talk to both people, I think you can get a better understanding.
0: No, absolutely. And the example I gave you is definitely um, uh, a, 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 a an extreme example. Um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, the thing about this is that, it, and it's true, men overwhelmingly, I mean, there are tons of studies that have been done about this, right? And, the, un, you know, unfortunately, the science backs up women <laughs> on this, that that they do do more. Um it, well, the science backs up mm-hmm. that that mm-hmm. men and women think they're sh- that men think they're sharing the load equally, and that women think that they're not, mm-hmm. and that overwhelmingly women do more of the actual work. Um, And that's been, that's been proven. I've got, I'll put the, I'll put the stats in the Mm -hmm. show notes.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, So there is truth to it. Right. And so there is a cultural dynamic and that's the, that's the thing that I, that I help people. One of the things that I ask my clients when they're, when they're telling me all of these things, one of the things I'll often ask is what would he say? If he were here right now, what would he say? And it really actually shifts. He's not there, obviously, but I but I try to invite him into the conversation because it it does sh- tend to shift their um their feelings. They sort of soften about mm-hmm. that, and they'll mm-hmm. say, "Well, a lot. he'd say that he's doing a lot and he's trying and that he's stressed." Or you know, he says that he doesn't every time he does it. Then I'm like really naggy about how he does it and I criticize him, and or he he'd say this, right? So we actually so it. it Bringing him into it without him being in the room can soften um, that conversation, um, and you know. And, and the other thing about it is, oh, I lost my train of thought. Shit. Okay. Um, anyway, um, but the but the but the fact is, is the science does back it. Oh, this is what I was going to say is that I, then I'll bring I'll, I will bring the cultural the cultural aspect into it because I think it's important um, that it's not. It doesn't mean that men are wrong when they say that they feel that they're doing 50% of the work, but the science and the data show that they're actually, you know, the women are doing 70, 75%. Well, you know, it doesn't mean that men are wrong and bad. It's just, that's just kind of the way that you're like, you're in a, you're in a pretty normal situation if that's how Mm -hmm. you're feeling. Right. And, you know, we're not here to, you know, to trade out one set of problems for another. Um, And I think you and I both talk about the same things in our work with, in terms of should I stay or should I go, which is that 68% of second marriages fail. And I think, what is it? 73% of third marriages fail because, and I, my, my assessment.
1: Higher statistics than that. Yeah. Even, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And
0: my assessment of that is because we just think that we're going to get rid of the problem by getting rid of the person. And that if we don't do the really hard work, in this relationship we're we are statistically likely to just keep repeating it over and over and over again.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally.
0: So, you know, yeah. so, and to acknowledge, right. Oh, this is actually a cultural systemic issue. This isn't a marital issue, right? How do we better invite men to share the burden without criticizing them or whatever else? Um so that we, that that we don't make it about our marriage.
1: Yeah. It kind of goes back to a little bit of what we were saying earlier about, like, I think so much of that is kind of leftovers from a prior generation Mm -hmm. where, you know, um, you know, women weren't working outside the home and the men were the breadwinners and, and then, so that's like the 1940s, 1950s. And then they had children who grew up in the seventies and eighties and kind of that was their role modeling. And then those people had children that are kind of like the present day people of who we would kind of work with today.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I think some of that is some, a lot of, I would just even say maybe even a lot of that is just kind of unconscious kind of role modeling that's yeah. getting kind of perpetuated kind of going yeah. forward.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And when you when you talk about it kind of that way in a way that kind of people can digest the conversation's really not that hard. Yeah. But what happens is it becomes it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about just it be like people have a hard time talking about that stuff in a way that promotes togetherness or that promotes a sense of like, we're in this Mm -hmm. as as teammates. Yes. You know, it becomes very antagonistic. And then naturally both parties in that, like, you know, one, you know, one person's, you know, getting told that they're fucking lazy and the other person's like, well, I think you're fucking lazy. And then it's like, and then the whole thing just crumbles because yeah. neither one of them really possess a skill set to to navigate that conversation.
0: Yes. Yes. You know?
1: So it's it kind of just was it reminded me of what I was saying earlier about like the work when I work with guys and just kind of like framing it up in the context of like, hey, this is just about learning some new skills. Yeah.
2: You know? Yeah.
1: You're not a bad guy. You're not fucking lazy. It's really just about possessing some new skill sets that you know, these things are actually not hard to solve. I mean, they really aren't. They're really easy. Right. You know, it's just that if we could learn how to talk about them in a way that um, promotes a sense of like camaraderie together, then it's certainly possible. But that's that, you know, sadly, most of the world doesn't have that skill set.
0: Yes, and you know the the other the other skill the skill that I love right that I love working with clients on um, when I work with couples and when I um, uh, is this this idea that you know we're always fighting over the problem right it's like the problem is between us and we are we've got uh, when I was when I was did my uh, relationship coach training there's an actual physical exercise that we do where we have couples hold either side of a pillow, and they're fighting over it, over it, over it, and they're pulling back and forth and back and forth. And then you ask them to stand shoulder to shoulder, and you ask them if they're willing. Are you willing to look at this problem together? And if they're willing, you ask them to stand shoulder to shoulder and both hold the pillow in front of them and place it So it's you're physicalizing this placing Mm -hmm. problem out in front Mm -hmm. and then they're standing shoulder to shoulder to going, huh, how do we, how do we work as a team together to solve this problem?
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And it's so powerful because it's, because it is, it's what we do. It's we fight over a problem rather than being a team and looking at it objectively and going, huh, this is a this is a really big problem. Well, how the hell do we solve this? How do we work on this together?
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And it, it can, yeah. It's it's a really powerful exercise, and yeah, it sounds cool. Yeah, it is. Um, so
1: when I was in when I was in graduate school, um, one of my one of my professors, um, he has said this one time, and it was one of those things that just kind of like stuck with me forever. Mm. Um, he, he he, it was in a marital therapy class, and he said, "Don't get lost in the content." So meaning that like when people bring in like stuff they're fighting about, they're fighting about like money, sex, and kids, they're not really fighting about money, sex, and kids. They're really fighting about these very deep emotional undercurrents that money, sex, and kids just has a way of kind of evoking in people. And if you get lost in the subject of money, sex, and kids, you will lose because you can't really help people solve that. Right. But if you can help people identify like these deeper emotions that they're really protesting about,
2: mm-hmm. then
1: it creates an opportunity for for people to become compassionate towards each other. It creates an opportunity for people to empathize with each other that, you know, that, and of course that's like the, that's like the magic glue in relationships that Absolutely. bonds us.
0: Absolutely. But if
1: you get kind of like stuck on like, Oh, you know, like we're just, you know, we can't figure out how to like, make this budget or whatever.
0: But, <laughs> yeah, really? yeah. You
1: know, it's so the pillow thing kind of reminding me of that, you know, yeah. and yeah. I think that's a skill that, you know, helping people, it kind of goes back to like helping, especially for men, because men are not really good at this. Um, well, I could say women are not really good at it either, but um, just helping people identify their emotions. It's like, yes. what, is, what, what do you feel? You know, yes. what is that? What feeling is getting evoked in that? And, Um, I know men get a bad rap for not knowing what they feel. Sometimes I think women get too much credit in society for knowing their feelings when they really don't.
0: Well, yes. And also, and confusing feeling, you know, I I remember when I first started therapy, so this was, good God, 25 years ago, I guess, when I first went to therapy, be- I went to therapy because I had a sponsor in a 12-step program that said every time I would call her, she'd say, how do you feel today? And I would mm-hmm. say, good. And she'd say, good yeah. Of feeling. Yeah. And she sent me to therapy. Um, yeah. And the first thing the therapist did was give me a list of feelings. And yeah. the list was broken down into hard feelings and soft feelings. And she mm. Explaining mm-hmm. that underneath every hard feeling is a soft feeling. So when mm-hmm. I was feeling angry, what is the soft feeling underneath that? What's actually, you know, some, sometimes sadness or fear or, right? And it took like a year's work before I yeah. could really learn to identify. And I think a lot of women, they're really clear they're angry. They're yeah, exactly. really clear that they're frustrated. <laughs> exactly. What's the what's yeah. the feeling underneath that?
2: Exactly.
0: That is the more compassionate. Like it's the it's the when I say like I'm angry, I'm not inviting anything of my partner. But Mm -hmm. when I say I'm really scared, Mm -hmm. it like it opens the compassion doors.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when you're able to say that, you know, usually you'll get somebody that's like, "Oh my gosh, I don't want you to be scared."
0: Exactly. (laughs) You know, like
1: how can I help you instead of if you're angry. The person's going to be like, I'm out of here. You know, this yeah. is Yeah.
0: Too- and if you want empathy from your partner, the, 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 you know, the sort of the quickest path to that is vulnerability. And that's, that's hard and it's scary, but it's authentic and it's connecting.
1: And it's critical. It's yeah. not even optional anymore. It's mm-hmm. not even something that maybe you can get away with not having.
0: no. No.
1: I think oh. in prior generations just for different, you know, sociological and cultural reasons, you didn't have to do that. You didn't have to know that.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: today you have to know how to articulate those feelings and 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 kind of be in that vulnerable space, which is really hard for people. It's yep. really hard.
0: It is. It is. It's scary, you know, and it's scary to be the one, right? It's it's scary to be the one to come out of your corner and and put your feelings on the line. Mhm. That's hard.
1: Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, you know, but the good news is it's like and this is like this is the hopeful message for everybody, you know? It's so learnable. It's mm-hmm. so learnable. That's the biggest tragedy tragedy to me of like marriages like not working, you know? It's like um it's so learnable, you know? It's really yeah. it's that. that's that's really neat, you know, because it's not like you know, if my wife and I have a good relationship, I it's not because I have good relationship genes. It's like my, I grew up in the most dysfunctional chaotic (laughs) family. Like I, I was not modeled even a semblance of relationship health. Yeah. You know, and everything that I can attribute to the relationship with my wife and I, it's only come because I've been in a ton of therapy. My wife and I go to couples therapy. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, And it's just, I'm only decent at it because I've learned it, you know? So that's that's great for everybody to know that, you know? It's like, there's no, nobody's born with this stuff.
0: No. Well, especially in our generation. I mean, we just really weren't. I mean, we did not have it modeled to us from our parents. They didn't have it modeled to, we are the first, we are really the first generation that's doing this shit.
1: Yeah, exactly. We're, exactly.
0: Like, we really are, and so yeah, it's hard, and yeah, it's it's a tough road to navigate, and we are we are actually forging the path. Yeah. Um. So yes,
1: we are the yes. we're, we're all we're all in this together, and we're just pioneering. So it's really yeah. cool.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> we are. We are. Well, I mean, I hope that we have touched on this. should I stay or should I go. I mean, we God, we've, we we've gone in so many places. We really said. <laughs> We were going to talk about this. Should I stay or should I go? Um,
1: we totally digress. We talked about one of the six points and then we just went off on the <laughs> rabbit trail.
0: But they are all so, I mean, I mean, if we could touch on them quickly, like we talked about incompatibility or happiness, right? And then, yeah. you know, the idea of being in love, let's just, let's like wrap them up real quick. So okay. you know, being in love, what's your stance on that in a, in a quick soundbite?
1: Um, I think feelings in love kind of wax and wane and sometimes we feel it and sometimes we don't. And that exists for even the best relationships. Yes. So feeling not in love is not necessarily a sign that something's really wrong. Right.
0: Good. Yeah. I have a friend who's been married for 27 years, I think. And she, Uh you know, for, for two years, God, she hates him. And then Mm -hmm. suddenly she is madly in love with him again.
2: right. And, you
0: know, (laughs) it's just the way it goes, apparently. Um, And then happy and incompatibility. I mean, we kind of touched on that. Um, What's your soundbite on that?
1: Um, I think that's a really horrible measure. It's almost even worse than the in-love one because – I think if you if 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 you get married with the idea that you're going to be married for life that's how most people get married um of course you're not going to be compatible all the time you right. know what i mean it's like oh you know we this is like the like maybe a silly cliche but you know it's like you know we used to enjoy playing tennis together but right. somebody stopped playing tennis so that should be the end of the relationship that doesn't make sense
2: right <laughs> you know? right
1: so i think i think compatibility is um it's so much more complex and so much deeper than that. But I think people look at it kind of on a, a little bit of a too kind of surfacey way.
2: Yep. Yep.
1: And and the other thing I would just say, just to add to that, like yeah. in the best relationships that I've kind of experienced, um, the differences really enhance the relationship, not yeah. the, it doesn't break it down. Yes. It's like, wow, like I'm so intrigued by my partner because she's like an artist and she's really into that. And I'm so not, I'm so analytical and, and like, I'm so curious about her. And and, and it's, it's, so it's like a, such a different frame of mind, as opposed to being like, oh, you know, like, I don't know if I'm married to the right person, you know, she's all into this art
2: thing. And that's really right,
0: weird. Right, right. And, you know, and I think that the, the, I think that where this becomes critical, um, in my experience is around values. um, And that you know, looking at, and and that's one of the things that I do with my clients a lot is really mining for values in a very specific and not like picking values off of a list kind of way, but in a very personalized way, Mm -hmm. because if there is an incompatibility and a misalignment um, with values, um, you have to look at what, you know, what are the non, what are the negotiables and non-negotiables there? Um, And Mm -hmm. because sometimes there are things that are when it, when we dig it, when we dig it out and we, and we start to like, you know, sort of like an archeological dig around values, it starts to become actually clear that some of these misalignments are critical. They are, they are, um, deal breakers. Um, yeah. and, and that, and that's okay. Right. Cause then it's not, you're wrong. He's wrong. I'm wrong. It's just like, wow, look at that. That is actually like a really serious misalignment. Um, and uh, I, do the,
1: I I think I think Kay, I do yeah. the exact same thing because I have this whole thing on values. Um, oh, yeah. I talk <laughs>
0: about.
1: So this
0: is why this is why we're new best friends. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're 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 super. I think you're super right. You know, yeah. and um, it it reminds me. I don't work with a lot of single people, but I have this one client that I have right now, and he went through a divorce, and um, so he's on like Tinder and online dating and stuff, and like. Mm we kind of went through this exercise together where he created his profile and like he wrote out his values on his like tinder profile good as kind of like a screening tool sure and they're very they're very provocative like he gets a lot of like kind of hateful responses Ooh. but it's so great for him because he's like man i'm making it so clear like this is so really clear. what i'm about you know yep. and that, you know if if you're upset by that of course we're not going to be a good match but yeah. People, they read it and they're like, okay, you know, he's probably not for me because I see what he's all about and they just mm-hmm. kind of move on. But he's going on some really great dates with people because they, there's like such a clarity of like alignment right at the, right at the very beginning.
0: Yes, absolutely. And if you've been married and divorced and, and this misalignment was one of the things that was a real problem, like you're going to be really clear about that right yeah. up front. Yeah. Absolutely. Good for him. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I think that like this is another cultural thing that I think we have to become awoken to because, you know, historically we would have been married. We would have married people that came from similar tribes. Okay, yes. and so like if I was a Catholic, you know, there's a really good chance that a hundred years ago I would have married another Catholic girl, and or whatever religion or whatever yeah. community you came from. Yeah. So there, there was a there was already a very implicit understanding that we married people with shared values. Mm -hmm. But today it's really different. I mean, you know, you can go online and meet somebody that's from a totally different community from a totally different faith history, from a totally different value perspective. And then you're like, wow, you know, I'm really attracted to this person, you know, and then, but it's like, that's not enough, you know? And so the, I think even more so today, because we don't have that cultural piece that used to kind of bind us all. Uh-huh. I think it's even more important today that people that are dating or are divorced and kind of back out there again, that they get super clear on what their values are and how that kind of orients who they look for.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Quentin, I am just so uh, we could literally talk all day.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully there wasn't too much of a rabbit trail. You know, maybe this
0: No, I love it. And you know what? We can always come back and do it again. So uh um, yeah, it's hopefully. it's great.
1: Every and- time we talk, we'll we'll cover one bullet point <laughs> and then just go crazy, go somewhere
0: else. Episode six <Yeah. laughs> Kate and Quentin. <laughs>
2: uh-huh.
0: Um, no, this has been great and, um, we'll definitely, we'll, we'll definitely do this again and, um, everybody, uh, just all of Quentin's amazing information will be in the show notes and thank you so much. I so appreciate having these conversations with you.
1: Yeah. Thank you. It's really great. It's super cool to talk with like a like-minded person who, um, you kind of have like the, the alternate or the other perspective that I don't see as much. So it's really great.
0: Cool. Love it. Okay. Thanks for listening to the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. You can find me over at kateanthony.com and be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes so you don't miss an episode. See you next time.